everybody, and welcome back to the Dave Pash Podcast. I'm your host, ESPN, and Arizona Cardinals play-by-play announcer, Dave Pash. We have been on a break, but we are back in a big way. Our Cards Camp Kickoff Edition with Colt McCoy, the presumed starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, depending obviously on the health of Kyler Murray. And we'll talk with Colt about what it's like going into training camp as the starter. It's a cool feeling. Like, I don't take it lightly that there's only 32 guys that get to do this. I'm ready to go back and play football, right? I'm ready to see what this team can do. Colt will also talk about Drew Petzing, the new offensive coordinator, and play calling, some of the differences in this offense compared to what he's used to, as well as some of the things that Colt did in the offseason, including broadcasting some USFL games for NBC. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Resorts and Casinos. Sign up today with BetMGM, the official partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Use code CARDS1000 and get back up to $1,000 in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager, Arizona only. New customer offer, please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. All right, time for our conversation with Cardinals quarterback Colt McCoy. So, Colt, forgive me if I'm a little rusty because it's been a while, not only since I've done a podcast, but since I've done a game. In fact, in the last two months, you have called more games than I have. <laughs> my, my last TV game was Phoenix-Denver game six. And then I did Eastern Conference Finals for ESPN Radio. But still, that ended before your two games for NBC. First, tell me about that experience. And I actually did NFL Europe like 20 years ago, and they would have current players as analysts. Yeah. And a lot of guys after that were like, I'm never doing this again. Or some were like, I can't wait to do this again. Where are you? Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, I called a couple – uh, USFL games in June and you know what outside of the travel I, I had to travel to Canton Ohio and Memphis both cool little cool towns um, but just you were in the middle of OTAs so I would leave on you know probably Friday after a Monday through Thursday week my wife loved that um <laughs> You know, and just trying to navigate how to get there. A couple of my flights got canceled. You know, I ended up getting to Canton, Ohio at like 2 in the morning. And, and then we well, there was a Saturday game at with a noon kickoff. And so I missed like the production meetings and, you know, all the stuff that goes on before the, before the actual game. But once I got in the studio, I loved calling the games. Like I didn't know how I was going to feel um, during it or afterwards. But uh, I just – I really enjoyed – you know, that vantage point and talking to Paul Burmeister, I actually had him both times. He was fantastic. He helped me a ton along the way. Our, our verbal communication skills were pretty good. Um, we, we, we had a great time together and, and calling those games was fun. I, I just enjoyed seeing both sides of the, of the field. You're talking defense. You know, when you play a football game, you know, you go out there and try to execute everything as well as you can. Then you come off to the side and, you know, you look at the iPad, you get a little break kind of talk about what's coming up next and then you go back out there and do it and you you know you might get seven eight nine drives a game you know during a broadcast there is no break <laughs> like I had a two minute bathroom break at halftime because in the tv timeouts the producer's in your ear um at halftime you're you're given a recap 
you're talking about what's coming next. Um, all the pregame stuff, you're, you know, you're prepping and you're, you got your board out in front of you and you're, you know, making sure you're good with all the names and, you know, what the talking points. I mean, it, it was a ton of fun. Like I could see myself, you know, if I had the opportunity, you know, down the road to, to, to call some games, um, you know, I think I would, I would really enjoy it. And you were saying that before the first game, I think we were texting about this, the power went out in the booth right before you guys went on the air? Yes. Everything went down? Dude, there was there was a 45-minute delay of the kickoff because the the entire system was down. So, you know, obviously the producers and those guys are in studio back wherever that is. But all the equipment <laughs> at the game went out the generator went out the backup generator went out i don't know what was all i know is the kickoff was delayed guys are ready to warm up and they go back inside (laughs) and you know it was my first game and so there was a i didn't really know any different it ended up being me and paul just calling the game like we saw it you know you, you can kind of throw out all your preparation you know the cool thing about the usfl is you get the quarterback and head coach or, or play caller communication. So you can hear the play calls and you can hear the quarterback step in the huddle and call the play. And like, you know, as, as a guy who's played quarterback for a while, you can, you know, by the end of the first quarter, second quarter, you can pick up like what some of these plays are and be able to talk about them. And I had done some film study on both of these teams. I had a pretty good idea of what their offenses were like. And that was out the window, right? The Telestrator who that I had tried to practice on, and you know, you draw up a few things, and oh, I hear a play. I know what this play is. Let me <clears throat> let me draw it up real quick. That was out. So me and Paul just called the game like we saw it, and I thought it went great. Like I didn't have the equipment, but I was kind of nervous about using that kind of stuff, anyways. And uh, afterwards, you know, the producers and and everyone were just like it's never like this like don't worry about it. like that was really hard i was like hey i thought i thought it was i thought it was great like i enjoyed it well if you can get through that and you can do a usfl game where you don't know who a lot of the players are going into it and you can do anything it gets i have always felt it gets much easier the higher level you do because you know who the players are right. as opposed to you may have known some of the names but it's not like they're household names and there's probably not a lot of film on these guys you to study yeah you you're mostly just watching games there's a lot of faces that you recognize though especially from uh coaches you you see coaches that you've played against or or maybe played with that are that are still coaching and then there's there's four or five guys on each team that I had remembered you know maybe playing with in a preseason or playing against that you remember their names like they're, they're it's still good football you're used to having somebody in your ear as a quarterback although 15 seconds on the play clock that stops how often did the producer talk to you right before you were going to speak and how did you handle having that voice in your ear yeah it's it's definitely um unique right because most of the time that he's talking to you you're are you're already talking you're already you're in your six to seven seconds um given the recap of what just happened on that play and he's either talking to you about, I want you to use the Telestrator, tell me a little bit more, expand on this, highlight number 48, whatever, like, as you're talking. So that part is hard because, you know, it took me a first half probably to get used to that. 
but then it's almost like okay i expect this like let me just let let me follow whatever the producer's lead is and where he wants me to go because he's certainly trying to take care of me he's certainly trying to help me he's not trying to throw me off and you know different than you know if i have the the play caller calling a play to, to me right now you know into my headset like i can give one wave and just tell him i got it you know i got i got the play like we're good um and I'm never stepping in the huddle and calling the play while he's still talking in my ear. Like I, that would be that would be crazy. Um, so there, the communication, you know, I think the more you do it, the more you get used to it. Um, it was certainly uh, there were some growing pains at first, but um, it it was still a ton of fun. I mean, when I got in the booth and I called the games, and you know, you you get in a flow with the play by play guy with Paul. Um, it, it was fun. So between the broadcasting and obviously the off-season work with the team and now, did you get a chance to relax? Do you feel refreshed? Do you have a particular routine that you do in the off-season leading up to training camp? Yeah. No, I feel um, like I'm in a really good place. You know, I think there was a little carryover into this off-season from the end of the year last year, right? Played through a bunch of injuries, had the concussion uh, against Denver and and uh, you know missed the last couple games and you know then all your coaches get fired you know the front office you know a lot of those guys get let go and I think there's just the NFL is hard no matter how long you've played I played for 14 years and I've seen a lot of different things and you know last year was just really tough right like we had tons of uh, high expectations across the board going into the season last year and we worked really hard and you know you just you guys start getting hurt and you know in key positions and you lose a couple games and it just it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse all year and then it, it ultimately ended with you know some of my best friends and and people that I love and care about and and you know are close with get fired right and so like you know, then you know you have a little off-season surgery, and like it just th- those those things just add up emotionally. And I think when the off-season started, I just I wasn't in a great place because I was, you know, I, physically I was getting better and better each day, and I felt better, but emotionally I just was still, I don't know what the word would be, probably just like sad. You know, like you like in a fog, just, yeah, just a little l- bit of a funk, or? a little bit of a funk, a little bit of a fog. Like you work so hard to, you know make something happen and I know that there's a lot of guys in this building who felt the same way and you know you're just you're sad when it doesn't work out because you you give you we give our life to this right and so after the off-season program like it was still good like I still you know we're learning a new system where we've got new guys new faces they're all great like love them all and I love the energy that this new staff brings that Monty brings like it by no means does it have anything to do with that? It, it was just, it's all new, and, and I've, there's a learning process that has to take place. And I think this break was really good for me, right? I, I was able to get away, and I was able to just spend some time with my family. I worked really hard, um, and it just allowed me to uh, just mentally and emotionally get in the right state of, hey, I know I know what, what it takes to – you know, get ready for a, another season in the NFL. This is a hard game. This is a, this is tough. Like, there's nothing easy about it. There's long days. There's, 
there's hard days there's good days there's it's physical um it's emotionally draining sometimes like being able to like be above all that and handle all that and the workload and you know understanding that the ultimate goal is to go out there and win without winning like it's it's a it's not successful like that takes a lot and i feel like this break really really um helps me get into that mode and and you know i feel like i'm in a, a really really good place as we as we get started here and i'm also really excited good um we always get out of the country when i'm done because i go like nine nine and a half months hard travel uh and so traveling for me in the u.s is work so we try to get out of the country for a few weeks and we do that pretty much every summer but I always try to do one new thing, like learn something new or do something different each summer. I didn't this summer. One thing I thought about trying, and I've never liked it, is country music. <laughs> Sell me on why I should start listening to country music as my new thing. Because summer is not officially over, Colt. There's still time. There's still time. Well... I'm a big country music guy, man. Sorry to tell you. I know you are. That's why I'm but asking. But I, I will say that, you know, I grew up that way, right? I grew up listening to 90s country, and if any song of Brooks and Dunn or George Strait or Garth Brooks or Kenny Chesney, like if any of that comes on, I know all the words, and that's just what that's just what we listened to when I was growing up. And In fact, I think I probably like 90s country a little better than the country that's out there right now, but all the all the folks are good like those guys you mentioned i have heard of i just <laughs> well, couldn't I tell so. you any of their songs i mean you hear george Strait on the radio you gotta you, you gotta tip your cap you know? <laughs> this is how it goes um you do that while you're in the car you're driving you just tip the cap if you hear if it comes on is that yeah, part make, of the routine i make sure my kids see that too like <laughs> you know what you're listening to here <laughs> country royalty yeah for sure. He's the king of country. So should I start there or should I start with the newer country singers? Well, probably the newer country singers. I mean, these guys are very talented. I mean, country music nowadays has a little bit faster beat, a little bit better rhythm. You know, you can, you know, it's, it's not pop, but it's, you know, it's still still country. Um, and then just dip your toe into like some of the old school stuff, like some of the nineties country, maybe go a little further back and give you a little Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings and you know, go go down that path and just see what see what you like. All right. I don't I'll think give it a shot. I don't think you'll be disappointed. No, I mean look, there's I, I I just have never been able to get into it. But I haven't had a lot of friends that listen to it either. My wife doesn't listen to it, so I think it's just kind of part of like where you grow up. Yeah. You know, what you listen to as a kid, what your parents listen to, what your friends listen to, and then kind of just go from there. All right. Well, I listen to a lot. Try something new. You'll like it. Well, I said I. that's usually each summer there's a goal of something different. I just – summer's not officially over, so maybe we'll try it. Mm -hmm. one, of the, one thing you used to do in the off season back when you were younger was attend Manning Camp. And one of my best friends in the world, um, who is the same age as you – uh, who I worked with for four years and has moved up the ladder at ESPN as the number two college football analyst is Greg McElroy. Mm -hmm. And I believe you, Greg, Sam Bradford, and Andrew Luck all roomed together one summer. And I also believe that two of the four were very delinquent 
and the other two, <laughs> and you were one of these two, were at home sleeping as you should, getting your rest, being serious. One of the delinquents might have been Greg, and the other might have been Andrew. Is that true? That is great. That is great that you dug all that up. Bradford was my roommate. Um, Sam and I were same same class. Uh, I never actually attended the Manning Manning uh, Academy camp like as a camper, but I did go as as a counselor. They usually grab like you know four or five six guys maybe that are in their junior or senior year to come out and work the camp. And, and I think that's a really, really cool tradition. I know they're still doing it now. I mean, there is – you're going out there to – think it's Thibodeau, Louisiana, and it is hot. Like, we can complain all we want about, oh, it's 115 degrees out here. Like, no, it's – down there it is humid and hot, and the kids do not care. And it's it's a ton of fun, and the, the Mannings do it the right way. Um, I remember um, – landing in new orleans and arch would would pick it picked us up and would drive us down and explain to the camp and it's gonna be fun and, you know colt you and sam are gonna room together and then all of a sudden like you do the camp and and then there's a lot of extracurricular activities throughout the rest of the week <laughs> which had nothing to do with football from what <laughs> right. i understand <laughs> the only the only rule is you gotta you gotta be back ready for camp the next morning like whatever whatever happens so um there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of fun <laughs> stories, a lot of getting to know guys, um, and it, it's a, it's a great time. Fair, that's fine. You don't have to. <laughs> I, I know the story, and I can't, I can't tell it anyway. So it's probably better that you don't. Um, speaking of college football, uh, let's start with Texas because obviously you're one of the Texas legends. You mentioned Archie. I think you were talking about right before. Um, oh yeah, I meant to say Archie. Yeah, Arch, yeah, Archie. But yeah. Arch. Mm-hmm. Arch Manning is now at Texas. Quinn Ewers is the starter. Uh, what are you hearing about Arch? What are you hearing about that room and that team? Because they have a huge game week two against Alabama. Yeah, I mean, I haven't stayed as plugged in as as probably people think that I have. Um, I went back to the spring game this year, took my kids. Um, first time they had been in the stadium at UT, which was pretty awesome. Like, we... We had a great time. They couldn't believe it, um, and the stadium wasn't even you know fully sold out. It was it was the spring game, so it was still a ton of fun. Um, but I I got to spend some time with the quarterbacks, watch watch a practice or two, and uh, I, I just I think their room is great. You know I, I would say that you know good teams have good quarterback rooms, and those relationships are competitive, but they're also supportive, and that kind of infiltrates the rest of the team and I think right now at UT you got you got a couple guys probably three guys that could that could play and and I think it's I think it's a great healthy situation I I would think that Quinn would you know kind of start the season and and be the guy and um you know build off some of the the things that he did last year, there was some good and some, you know, some stuff needs to get cleaned up. And I'm sure he would say the same thing. Um, but I just think a, a good, healthy quarterback room speaks a lot about your team. And I know Texas has that right now. And obviously, you know, Arches, um, you know, the highest rated recruit of all time, probably. And the big deal that he's on campus and you know, the name recognition and who he is. And I've got to spend good amounts of time with him. He's, 
he's just he's just a class act and he works hard and you know doesn't want any favors and he he's come into UT so much more prepared and ready and like good head on his shoulders than I wasn't even close to that when I I mean I had to redshirt like I was I needed to mature I needed to grow I needed to spend a lot of time in the weight room like there was there was a lot of things that needed to happen for me you know which ultimately did in order to to play at UT but I, I mean I think if Texas needed ours to play right now I imagine he could and that's Cooper's son, correct? That's correct. For people that aren't sure, when they hear Manning, they don't know. If, oh, they usually assume it's Peyton or Eli, but it's it's Cooper's right. son. Right, exactly. I had Texas last year at Oklahoma State. That was not a good day for Quinn. Mm. Um, but I'm a big Sark fan, and I, I, I'm really curious to see how they do this year and then obviously uh, next year. Uh, the best quarterback I saw last year in person was Caleb Williams, for obvious reasons, at USC. The second best, that it was pretty close, and I did North Carolina twice, was Drake May. And mm. obviously, Mac Brown, who you're very close with, who was your coach at Texas, is the coach at North Carolina. I don't know how much you watch Drake May because there's a lot of talk about the 2024 draft. Is it, you know, who's going to be the first pick? Are they going to go one-two, kind of like this year um, with, uh, with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud? I don't know how much Drake May you've watched or how much you've talked to Mac about him. Yeah, no, Coach Brown, um, Coach Brown loves Drake. Um, he loves Sam Howell. I mean, he he's had some good quarterbacks at North Carolina, um, and Coach Brown. Co- well, speaking, I can only speak for myself, but you know, Coach Brown expects a lot about your from his quarterback, and you know, if you're gonna play several years for him, like you're gonna you're gonna get earfuls from from Coach Brown. Um, but you know, I was so fortunate to play for him for four years, and or really five because I redshirted and have the same coach, right? And I think those quarterbacks, Drake, I think Sam Howell, like those guys are tremendous talents, but they they benefit from having the same coach and uh, helping them along the way. And But from, from what Coach Brown has told me, you know, it sounds like, you know, Drake is super talented, um, very competitive, played early. Uh, his brother – you know, and I think his family are all like good athletes. I think his brother played it, ba- played basketball in North Carolina. I think. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes, he was on the uh, national championship. Yeah, team. that's right. Yeah, right. So just Coach Brown just says like you know they're big Tar Heels, like their whole family like bleed blue and or what do they call it? baby blue, um, Carolina blue, Carolina blue, and so he he he's he thinks he's he thinks he's definitely an NFL quarterback and. You know, I know that they're, you know, they change coordinators, but they're expecting a, a really, really big year. And sounds like, I think I read where College Game Day is going there week one. Yes, they play South Carolina. Yeah, they play ABC South Carolina Prime. week yep. one. So that'll be, that'll be a good first test for, for those guys. All right, last uh, non-Cardinals one, and we'll start getting into this. But um, you and Kevin Durant to connect it all here uh, this summer because you were at Texas the same time. That Durant was. I've actually covered him since I did the McDonald's All America game, like three years. The one year was him with Greg Oden, and everybody's talking about Oden. And there's this skinny kid at the time. KD was like six nine. Obviously, he's sprouted. He's still listed. I think at six nine, but he's not. Yeah. Um, and we were watching this guy, uh, and again in high school, like this dude is unbelievable. And then I did some of the Texas games that year, including a game when he had 37 points and 23 rebounds at Texas Tech, coached by Bob Knight. And then I've done his oh, wow. games, you know, in the NBA. 
Um, and I, I've always had a – I always like Kevin. Uh, my daughter, who's now 25, but her favorite player is Kevin Durant. For her 16th birthday, she wanted to meet him. So she came to, with me to do a game in Oklahoma City and got to meet him, and he could not have been nicer. So it's like people say don't meet your heroes, don't meet your idols, but yeah. she lo- yeah. loves him even more. But you, you've known Kevin for a long time. You get a chance to connect at all? Yeah. No, we, we were definitely uh, acquaintances in college. He came in in uh, the year after me, but we lived in the same uh, dorm, you know, all, where all the athletes live. Like, you know, I just remember like this super tall, skinny guy coming in and, you know, no one really saying much, although he was like one of the highly touted recruits. Oh, yeah. Coming out of college, he came up, you know, from way up in the Northeast and you don't really know much and you go to like the first game over at the Irwin center and he drops like 40 points and you're just like, Oh my, this guy took the game over. I mean, just a phenomenal basketball player. And obviously like he's, you know, won world championships. He's won MVP. Like he's, he's amazing. And, um, we have not connected here in Phoenix. We've, we've talked to each other back and forth a little bit, you know, hopefully I can get out to a game, um, next year, I did go to one of the playoff games, saw him play. It wasn't good for us. Was it the game six lost to Denver? Yeah, because that was that was the game yeah. we did that game. That was that was rough. I mean, yeah, Denver was just going to be hard to beat regardless. Um, but I'm glad he's in the Valley and he's a great dude. Um, you know, and Longhorns stay together. It was. I I hope for the Suns' sake and Suns fans' sake that 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 was an anomaly. I. I he barely played in the regular season because he got hurt. Uh, I had a coach tell me after that game six loss that they were a little concerned because he they thought this this coach thought he was struggling to get by people. And so my question was, have the injuries caught up to him? And this coach, again, his opinion, it's very possible. So I'm curious because he's 34, 35. Right. Right. He was 18 when he came into the NBA. He was, I think, 17 the year he was at Texas. So he's young. <laughs> but I'm curious, have all the injuries caught him? I hope not because, obviously, uh, living here in the Valley, I want the Suns to do well. All right. Uh, oh, go ahead. Were you going to say something? No, I, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I know that if the ball is in his hand, he's going to find a way to, to get in the bucket. I mean, whether he's, he's the, lost yeah. a step or not, I think he's still one of the best at scoring. He's one of the greatest scorers in, in the history of the game. Right. All right. Uh, in terms of the Cardinals, you talked about you're in a good place mentally, that the summer was very beneficial for you after friends, seeing friends let go, teammates not back. What's your mentality going into this camp? Knowing, first of all, that Kyler's hurt, how do you, going into camp as the starting quarterback, how do you handle that? I don't know how many times that's happened in your career where you've gone mm-hmm. into camp as the starter, obviously you don't know whether Kyler's going to be back, when he's going to be back, but what's that like for you? Yeah, I think I think you know a few years early on that was the case, right? And then I think you're always chasing that again, right? It's 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 a cool feeling. Like I don't take it lightly that there's only 32 guys that get to do this, right? And you know at the same time, like whenever Kyler's healthy, like Kyler Kyler's going to step back on that field and and take over, right? And He's in the meetings. He's working hard. He's he's doing his rehab. Like nobody knows when that day is. And so for me, it's very similar to the role I've been in the last two years. It's like always being ready, always 
studying, always learning, always preparing, always asking questions, you know, all, you know, making sure that, you know, I'm in the best shape physically and mentally to step out on the field and play however long I need to play and do whatever I need to do because I want my teammates on the field to know that when I step in, like, we're, we're okay. Like, he knows what he's doing. He's going to get us in the right plays, the right calls, the right checks, and we're going we're gonna to be just fine. And, you know, that's exactly how I'm approaching it. And I think you you hit it, right? Like, a ton of my closest friends are gone, right? Some of the, All the old lineman guys, the, the Rodney Hudsons, the Justin Pews, like those guys that you're close with, they're closer in age to you, that you just, you know the toll that this game has taken on their body, but, you know, everybody loves it. it, it they're, they're just gone, right? And, you know, Cliff and Cam and just, I could go down the list. Like that. that's a hard process to go through emotionally and mentally and now I feel like through this break, I'm just, I'm in a, a way better place and I'm ready to go back and play football, right? I'm ready to see what this team can do. And we're going to go build this team in training camp. And, you know, I'm certainly all in and I'm fired up for the new staff and for Coach Gannon and Coach Petsing, these guys who are implementing their new systems and you're spending a lot of time with them and I believe in them. And, uh, Monty, I've had good, great conversations with Monty. Like, they are a great staff, and they have great energy. And this is a totally different team than the team that we had last year. But I think we're all excited and we're all ready to go build this thing and see what we can do. And you know, however many games I get to play, like, you know, I understand, you know, the opportunity that 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 is, and I'm gonna go give it my all. The first podcast for this was with Kurt Warner, and Kurt mentioned on this podcast, and I think he had probably said it elsewhere, but I I wasn't 100% sure that that's not the first time I heard this. He said going into 2009, he knew he was done because that was his last game was the Bounty Gate game in the playoffs against the Saints. He gets blindsided and ended up retiring, and a lot of people thought it was because of that. But he had already made up his mind. The reason I bring that up is after the the hit in Denver, which was really scary, I'm sure scarier yeah. for you, but yeah. just for us seeing it, like you rarely see a guy get up and then collapse. And I don't know what all you remember, Yeah. but did you start to think, given you've had other concussions, right, prior mm -hmm. to that, um, and you're in your mid-30s, you've been doing this a long time, how long did you think, hey, you know what, maybe it's time? Or were you like, you know, I, I want to I wanna finish strong. Right. I don't want to go out that way. Right. Well, I think ultimately I was protected by a lot of people in the building by not playing late in the season, right? And then you go through the process of you know, what, what you kind of do every year is just evaluating how your body feels. Like I did a lot of uh, cool treatments. I say cool. It's just newer technology and things that they can – help you with as far as, you know, after concussion. And, you know, I just was reacting to how my body felt, how my body responded to some of these treatments. And, and, and again, you know, that's all part of this process of figuring out, okay, what does this next year look like, right? All my, all, a lot of my boys are gone. Like a lot of the, the people in the building are new. Like you're coming off a concussion. Like, you know, you had a little elbow stuff. Like, but at the same time, like, I prayed a lot about it, right? You know, I think um, I lean on my faith more than anything else in my life and definitely want to 
follow that and understand like okay like there's there's always a time and a place for everything what does this season look like and I feel like everything in my life pointed back towards getting myself healthy and then seeing what happens and this all is part of the plan and the, I, I've, I feel stronger I feel better my arm feels good my mind is is ready um, you know I know there's going to be challenges there's challenges in every year right but I'm I'm in a place where I'm ready to take on those and and play as, as well as I can and and go into this training camp with um, the mindset of you know being the best version of myself and leading this football team to the best of my ability for however long they asked me to do that and I can't wait I'm excited and I'm thrilled and um, it's all new right it's new system new coaches new players like that it's 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 um in my mind it's just I'm, I'm hitting a refresh button and let's go see what happens here what are your biggest takeaways about the offense so far? Um, I, I've, I've enjoyed learning this system, right? I've learned a bunch of systems in my career, <laughs> right? I think my first five years in the NFL, I had new coordinators, um, which is always tough. But at the same time, you know, you, you turn things into a positive and, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of different systems and different philosophies and different ways to do different things. Um, and I feel like, uh, the, the way that, that Drew is, has presented his offense to us is, is great. Like he has a plan. He has a, he has a purpose. He has a reason. Every time I ask a question, um, he's a very good teacher. Uh, he's smart. It's first time calling plays. Um, but he knows what he wants it to look like. And, you know, he's assembled his offensive staff and they're all on the same page and, you know, there's never a there is never a doubt of what we're doing or what we're trying to accomplish. You know, when we have the ball in our hands, and so uh, it's been it's been great. And I think he's going to be very multiple. Um, you know, he's he's not going to be just. You know, you're not going to. We're going to play in a lot of different personnel groups. We're going to utilize all the guys that we have. You know, I think. You know, in this league of in 14 years, like it's it's players, not plays, and. A lot of teams do the same same stuff, um, but for us, I, I'm just I'm excited to go into training camp knowing that like uh, we all trust in in what Drew has has brought us. We we learned and chipped away at a lot of different things in the in the off season. I think a lot of it will will take shape and we'll figure out you know what we're really what's really going to be our bread and butter as we get into the season. I heard you say in a recent podcast that the footwork is a lot different, and you know for the fans for us that doesn't it's hard for us to understand okay what does that mean How, what does that look like so why is that so why is that such an adjustment for a quarterback when the footwork in the system is different well I was thinking about this uh during this break so I started playing football in seventh grade so seventh and eighth grade plus four years of high school five years in the NFL or five years in college and 14 in the NFL. That's 25 years, I think. I went to UT if my math is good. <laughs> I went to Syracuse, so I can't yeah. help you. Sorry. So, I mean, just for just for you and for the f fans, like, you know, as a quarterback, like everything is rhythm. Everything is timing. Everything is like, you know, when you get out of that, like bad things happen. But I've played with my right foot forward in the shotgun 
or underneath the center for 25 years since seventh grade and we were we were running some shotgun in seventh grade i ran you know the speed option you know right get get off the midline right like but then as you get older like you just you develop like your comfort and and your stance and like it, it becomes second nature you don't think about it well this off season drew really wanted me to go with my left foot forward in the shotgun and when I tell you that's not easy, it's not easy. But I'm feeling a lot more comfortable with it. You know, it's something that Drew really believes in. And, you know, I want to do it how he wants to wants to do it. And um, and so I've just, I've really, really worked countless hours making sure that, like, that becomes second nature. And, I, and I, you know, by the time I get into training camp, you know, next few days, I'm going to do my best not to even think about it. What's it like to have a coach that's your age? Drew Petzing is the offensive coordinator. You're the same age. And I know you're close with Sean McVay. And in Washington, I think Sean probably at the time was maybe five years older than you. Well, he still would be, right? No, Sean's uh, five months older than me. That's it? Yeah. Sean and I are, you know, we're basically the same. same. Why does it feel like Sean's been around forever, yet he's still 36 (laughs) years old? I didn't realize, for some reason, I thought he was older than you by a few years. Okay. He's 37 now, but he's, we're, we're like six, five or six months apart. How how about, are you older than Drew? Have you figured that out? I'm older than Drew. I'm about a year older than Drew. Okay. Is that weird to be older than your coach? (laughs) I was older than Cam last year. Cam Turner. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kevin O'Connell and I are like really tight. Kevin's, I think two, two or three, two and a half, three years older than me. So you're used to this, is yeah, what you're I'm, saying. I'm, this is not a big deal. Okay. I actually think it's it's not as big a deal as what people may think. Like Drew's been around a lot of football. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's had a, he's learned from the best that's ever done what he's doing, right? And I don't think there's any sort of like problem with him coaching me hard or or getting on me or no this is what I want like that relationship has been has been great right there's there's an ultimate respect factor from me and from everybody just because like again I mentioned it early in the podcast like there's nothing easy about this league right and you know guys who get to the top like this like there's there's a there's a respect factor there that just is you know it's 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 there. I mean, and and our our relationship has been has been solid. Because you have a new coaching staff, you have a first time head coach, first time offensive coordinator. Are you more involved? Are you in more involved? Do you think in game planning, in talking to your teammates? I mean, you're always very vocal and very encouraging and positive. But do you think there will be more of that since you're one of the few holdover leaders of not just the team, but the organization yeah I think I think we'll see right I think you know as you get going in training camp and as you start putting those first game plans together I think that it will all be uh done together but at the same time like you know my goal going into this camp is to is to know and learn the offense as best as I can before we we go out there for week one right that's still a work in progress and so I don't know that like my ideas and what I want, you know, there, I was involved, you know, to an extent, especially the last two years 
with Cliff and with Cam and, and those, but we, you knew the system well. I think we're, we're getting to a point where we can, we can get there. Um, but any plan that gets put together, whether it's Kyler or me or, or whatever, or on any team I've been on, you know, there's always that, you know, coach to quarterback, like, Hey, okay, here's our third down menu. You know, what do you feel most comfortable with? Like, there's always that communication like that. And that's crucial, right? To, to the, the play caller and the quarterback to be on the same page of what we like and don't like and what we're seeing and being able to adjust in games. Like the goal is as, as we, as we build this thing over the next month is, is to be able to get on that same page. And, and that's when things click. I watch flight plan. I don't know if you got to see it at all and you know, Kyler, you know, as well as anybody, but Watching him there, I I was really encouraged by his maturity. Seems like he's grown in a lot of ways. I don't know in your conversations with him or watching him rehab what you've been able to glean because obviously it's a big year for him coming off an injury. It's as much adversity as he's probably faced in his athletic life uh, coming off this injury and having to learn a new system, the footwork being different. It's got to be a challenge, I would assume, to be able to you know, watch it and know that you have to do it and then actually be out there doing it and then do it in a game. What are some of the things you've been able to glean from kind of watching Kyler go through this and in your conversations with him? Yeah, Kyler is, I mean, he's in, he's the ultimate competitor. So, um, I mean, I think he's attacking his rehab. He wants to be out on the field. He's good in meetings. Um, you know, there are some things that are going to be different. Like we are, we are going to huddle. We are going to call plays in the huddle. We're going to use like, you know, a lot of different mechanics than what we did last year, right? And so there's a, I mean, just from the very beginning, there's a lot of things to learn. But Kyler has jumped right in. He's he's doing the things that he can do without actually being out there and and calling the plays and running the plays, right? But I bet he's out there sooner than later would be my guess, uh, just because he's a competitor and and wants to be. And this is new and. Um, so I'm excited for him. I think anytime you go into something that's new, right there, it, it takes some time to, to learn and to feel comfortable with. And, you know, we talked about footwork or we talked about just the, just the overall operation. Like those are things that, you know, he's going to have to learn on the fly, you know, because the moment that he's ready to play, he's, he's going to go play. And so, a lot of anything that I do or what, what Drew coaches or sometimes like, you know, some of the conversations we had this spring were like, hey, like, we haven't done this before. I haven't done this in a long time. This was, this was a little, I need more reps at this. So as you're going through your rehab, you know, this offseason, like, remember that this plays a little bit tricky. Like, maybe it was the footwork. Maybe it was your eyes. Maybe it was your, like, the throw was, you know, got to be more up and down than on a line, like different things that I could tell him after getting the rep that, you know, remember this. Right. And so our, our communication has been, has been really good. And, um, I just, I, I recognize and know that like injuries are hard. They're hard emotionally. They're hard physically. They're hard mentally. And, you know, your all your energy most days are going into fixing that right? We've all had significant injuries. I think for him, like we'll know when that, that light bulb comes on, like, okay, I'm, I'm getting over this and I'm ready to like really 
soak up this information so that the, the, the moment I can get out there, I'm going. And um, I'm excited for, for him when that clicks. Last one and most important one, where are we with the family dog situation? Because <laughs> my wife and I, we are one year away from being empty nesters. We've talked about it because we have not had a dog, and I don't think we're going to go down that road. Because <laughs> I know this is something that the kids have pushed you on, correct? But oh, you yeah. said it's a retirement thing. You'll worry about it much, much oh, later. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, my kids can't even clean their rooms. Okay? They, they can't already make their beds. <laughs> like, without us just hounding them to do it. Like, pick up the toys, clean your room, like, make your bed. Like, there's some response. So, I mean, during football season, there's no chance. I love dogs. I love dogs. I grew up with, with labs. Like, there's no chance we're going to have a dog right now, right? I mean, and I've told my kids, and some of them cried, and I'm just like, someday, like, go play with the neighbor's dog. That's great. <laughs> like, enjoy that. You know, Justin Pugh has, has two golden retrievers. He brings them to the house all the time. The kids love it, and they run, and they play, and then they – cry because I won't get him a dog. I'm like, guys, someday we'll, I would love to get a dog, but until you can prove to me that you can make your bed and clean your room and not have, you know, me and your mommy picking up everything behind you, like what makes me think that you can clean up after a dog or make sure that the dog lives by giving it water and giving it food? Like there's so, and so I, the, the, I just ended up saying, guys, when I retire, we can, we can talk about having a dog. And so Half my kids want me to retire. Half my kids <laughs> want me to play. <laughs> well, we hope you keep playing, Colt. Uh, it's always fun uh, talking to you. Uh, thanks for spending some time with me. Appreciate it. You betcha, man. Thanks. Always a pleasure to talk with Colt, one of the great guys in sports. Been around a long time. You're 14 now in the NFL. Been with a lot of different organizations. Third year with the Cardinals. 36 career starts. Will it be 37 come week one against Washington, which would be interesting from a lot of perspectives, particularly the Colts spent a good part of his career in Washington from 2014 to 2019. Uh, it was good to get an update on Colts health, also get his thoughts on Kyler and the growth and maturity that we've seen from Kyler over the offseason, and also good to kind of get the perspective from a quarterback on what it's like to make the transition to broadcasting, something he's toying with and obviously got some experience this summer calling some games for the USFL. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Resorts and Casinos. You can rate us by going to your podcast platform. Tell us what you think. You can also check us out on Twitter, at PashPod. Thanks again to our guest, Cardinals quarterback Colt McCoy, and also to you for listening to another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast.